Before we begin this episode of the How Long to Beat podcast, a public service announcement. In April of 2022, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim will be releasing for the Nintendo Switch. I repeat, <laughs> in April 2022, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim will be releasing for the Nintendo Switch. Thank you for your attention. Now on with the episode. <laughs> Hello and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. I'm Rick, joined by two hosts who are just about containing their laughter. Alex on my left, Paula on my right. Um, and yeah, just in case you missed that, that lovely, um, slightly more subdued announcement, 13 Sentinels is coming to the Switch. There is no excuse if you own a Switch and haven't played this game yet. It's happening. And I'm very happy that more people are going to get a chance to play this glorious, glorious game uh, this week. Because it's not April yet and we have some months yet to go before that's really, truly relevant. Um, we are going to hear from Abitage to tell us about the penultimate month of the Howl. Fantasy Critic League. Pound, you can turn that little... Fantasy Critic League. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> We're claiming that shit. That's ours now. Um, <laughs> after that, we'll go on to, as always, talk about what we've beaten, retired, and played. Uh, this week, uh, our topic is box art, uh, the most audio-friendly of topics. Um, <laughs> and then, hopefully, we, hopefully we'll manage to squeeze a, a community question in before we go on to finish with how long, how to, long beat... to beat... The game. The game. That was truly awful. Oh, uh, recording Paola. or no recording, that was truly <laughs> awful. I think Alex was looking away and still managed to get in before Paola did. Yeah, I got it. My dog yeah, was, was so I was like, huh. <laughs> Yeah, like we went to have a walk for like two seconds and then it was like, all right, I need to do the thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we uh, give a listen now to Abitage? Yes. What's up, everybody? I'm Abitage, and welcome to your How Long to Beat Fantasy Critic League Roundup for November 2021. Now, this will be the last roundup for the year, as the next time we meet, I'll be announcing the winner of our 2021 league. But for now, let's get into it. Once again, Funky Face Studios had no new releases, but stayed on top, while Frozen Frog gained an additional 5 points thanks to Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl further securing their place in second. Abisoft and General Goods also retained their place and had no new releases in November. Much the same for Mango, who had no new releases, but gained 4 points from counterpicking Battlefield 2042. Pokemon Paul gained a position thanks to a strong release from Shin Megami Tensei 5, which brought them another 16 points. And Noise Labs dropped a spot and had no new releases during the month. While Beatmasters kept rising up the ranks and took another spot with a very strong 24 points from Forza Horizon 5, despite losing 4 points from Battlefield 2042. With more points heading their way in December, this is certainly one to watch in the endgame. Orny Mistress managed to sneak ahead a little thanks to Solar Ash earning 9 points, although it was technically released in December 2nd, the points were there at the end of the month. Meanwhile, Ash Masters got burned by Grand Theft Auto The Trilogy, The Definitive Edition, which tanked out and lost 13 points to put them in the bottom of the pack, where somehow Cockroach Content Corp gained a position after earning a mere 2 points from Call of Duty Vanguard, leaving CD Projekt Rick to continue their descent with the release of Bright Memory Infinite, which failed to impress and took 6 points away. And in what has become a comforting solidification of last place, CD Product Refund saw no new releases during November and once again defended the bottom valiantly. Finally, the only actions taken during November were from Horny Mistress who acquired Timesia for $30 and Sherlock Holmes Chapter 1 for $25, which completed their roster and left them with $1 in their budget. 
And that's how the Hallam's Beat Fantasy Critic League shaped up for November 2021. And as I mentioned at the top, this will be the final roundup for 2021 as the year's winner will be finalised and announced at the start of 2022. And speaking of 2022, signups for next year will be open within the week with the 2022 draft taking place in the first week of January. If you check out the forum and the Discord, I've already posted a basic overview video of what the league is about and I'll be posting another one with more in-depth details soon. So if you want to know more about drafting and auto-drafting and counter-picking and pickups and bids and drops keep an eye out for that one on the forum and hopefully it will help out any new players who want to join up for the next year so while the top spot seems to be a foregone conclusion there's still the potential for a lot of movement in the middle positions i for one am looking forward to finding out how this year's league pans out during our final month i'll see you on the other side all right look at that another month another me (laughs) this year has been kind of weird but i'm not complaining (laughs) who knows could be some could be some change-ups in the uh end of the month but i do think it's sort of funny that the two cd project like pun (laughs) games are the ones who are in the very bottom (laughs) yeah it's not very cruelly imitating life yeah you guys kind of cursed yourselves (laughs) it's uh yeah it's not ideal but I mean, I've always said this. This year was always a test run for the true 2022 run, which is what's coming, which is when I'm really going to go for it and round out the, uh, the How Long to Beat host trio um, trilogy, if you will. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone's going to be on their like friggin' guard um, <laughs> for us because we've been doing so well. So we'll see what happens. Um, but speaking of guarding people who are guardians of things. Mm. I, th- I to totally honest, thought you meant that segue, Alex. Did you not? No, but that's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I had no oh, I, had you too. I got back pain oh. this week, so I got n- my brain's like basically on like a one-way track of just like sore back and kind of focusing. <laughs> In any event, <laughs> this week, Alex and I both beat Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, the surprise hit of 2021? I'd, yes, I would say so. I would say definitely the surprise hit because I don't think anybody, no one was raving about this. Some people thought like, oh, maybe it'll look good. But like majority opinion was like, uh, I don't know about this game because, you know, we've all been burned by Marvel's Avengers, which I think I think was a reasonable opinion to have of this yeah. game going in. Um, like, I don't think anyone was like, you know, off base for being skeptical of this. <laughs> no, sure. And, and additionally, having um, beaten the game and, and sort of looked back at the promo, the pre-release sort of stuff they did for it. That E3 demo was not a great demo of what mm. that game is. It was like the weakest part of the game as a whole, I think, both in terms of um, like yeah. banter and story and also in terms of actual gameplay. I think really they should have um, picked something sort of two-thirds, three-quarters of the way in where you have a few more character abilities and you could showcase what that game truly becomes a little bit better. Yeah. Um, well, I yeah, think they've done it dirty a little bit. A little, yeah, because I agree with you. Like, that's sort of when they're all, like, the team's not even really a team yet, right? And so it's just kind of, Mm -hmm. like, because, like, yeah, really the game is them becoming a team. And so um, the moments before that happens, it's it's, it's significantly, I think, more enjoyable when they mesh as a team. But it's very fun going through that journey with them, right? Um, Yeah, I don't know. I really liked it. I do think it suffered a tiny bit towards the end of, like, what I think a lot of games of this ilk suffer with, which is like kind of like gauntlet um, 
just like a gauntlet of enemies you know like it was like i felt i felt like near the end it sort of was just kind of like all right now it's like room after room after room but like the combat's really fun and enjoyable so like i think it bothered me less than it does in some games um but it did a little bit feel just kind of like okay look we're coming towards the conclusion here so like here we go let's go through our kind of uh, our kind of gauntlet rush um but i think that's only because the earlier moments were so varied and so interesting that like when it was like a little more traditional i was like oh i kind of miss all the crazy stuff you guys are doing so it's kind of like because they did so well that i noticed that you know what i mean like it's not i do although even at the end they without spoiling anything they managed to mix Mm -hmm. it up and subvert it in a few ways that i thought were quite clever um the bit right at the end um i really really love as well so a little bit of sort of inside a baseball um, I finished this game literally minutes before we started recording, uh, and I messaged the guys to say I'm finished. Screenshot of the uh, of the credits, like, oh nope, hold on, because it's a bit after the credits where the game carries on. And I think it's really, really clever in the way that it does that. And I think that that's emblematic of the approach they've taken to the game as a whole. There's lots of cleverness. There's lots of, um, I think, understanding of what makes the medium work. Right, right from the off where they give you all these accessibility options mm-hmm. they let you turn off qtes they let you tweak various different things to let you get to the fun uh, and i think that that speaks to like real confidence uh, from the developers in what they're doing and what they were gunning towards and i think i wouldn't call it a 10 out of 10 game mm. um it's like a nine and a half for yeah. me if such a story existed but it, it's truly brilliant uh it's a really fun time um and I think everything it does, it does amazingly. Uh, not massively unique. I mean, the combat does some clever stuff. Yeah. Um, not in the story particularly unique overarching because it's a lot of what it does is what the films already did, albeit yes. it does it in a much more expansive and way and more with, comic with slight book-y. differences. Yeah, like like it's yeah. more tied to the comic book history because I know Guardians, like the movie, veered from the comics a fair bit. But, but though, to be fair, like I don't even think this particular shape up of the Guardians, like it was really new when um, when James Gunn like made the first Guardians, and I'm not even sure there had been many comics with with that particular pairings because I know that Guardians of the Galaxy themselves, I think there was a very different grouping before and then the movies came out and now this is the grouping you know what i mean like it was like here you go Um, and the movies had to tweak bits anyway because drax is known as destroyer and the comic books follow this they're very much separate from the mcu um he's known as the destroyer because of his conflicts with thanos uh, who is still canonically gamora's sort of adoptive father um but i do like that they they sort of take that setup but play with it a little bit in their own way um Mm -hmm. so you still have um star lord's origin but they play with it in different ways so you have them as a Chitauri prisoner for a while I don't think that was the case in the films uh, there's various things where it draws from different aspects of the comic and goes in its own way a little bit and I think again that speaks to a developer who's really sort of assured in the way that they were taking it yeah yeah and like um oh what was I gonna say oh no it's lost it's totally lost to me now it's totally lost to me that's cool soundtrack oh oh, what i was gonna say very it's like an absurdly confident first like game for what is presumably going to be a series you know what i mean like and i I know there's obviously yeah behind a team who is very adept and like you know very skilled but it's just like 
it's so well polished and so well done. And I think, you know, we talked about this, like, and I, I talked about this even last week. It's properly emotional too at times. Like there are moments oh, yeah. like, did you talk to like Drax when you were on Nowhere? Uh, yes. Yeah. That's like such a nice nuanced moment that I was like, damn, that's a, that is very well done. And like, even like Drax himself is like, like I was like, I, I feel genuinely affected by this character right now. And like, where you know, I don't know. It's just like that to me is incredible because again, in the in the films, he's just very much you know a joke, right? Um, yeah, and he does have layers, obviously, but I think it's just delved into much more within the comic and within the the game here. And to be fair, they have more time to do that, of course. Um, and I still think um, Drax of the movies is incredible, but it's just like really interesting to see this kind of side. And it makes me kind of hope because I think even Dave Batista talked about how he's like a little disappointed that he wasn't able to kind of delve a little more into Drax. Um, and I'm like, I kind of hope they give him that chance because it clearly can work very well. Um, That's always the movie thing though. You have to cut yep. something and it's easy to cut nuance from what can be a haha, so literal funny character. And I yeah. think when he's done well, Drax is the best of those characters because like you say, he's got so many layers. Um, that humor comes so easy because it's a very, very sort of specific fit for that. But there is also a real depth to that character. And um, it's another thing that I love with the game. There's like moments where you're in the Milano and if you've picked things up in the, um, in the levels in between, you can then go and have one-on-one conversa- one on one conversations with the, uh, with the individual characters. And they really go some places. It's the same with Rocket. It's the same yeah. with Gamora. Um, to the extent that it's possible, it's the same with Groot. Um, <laughs> and again, that's another one that they, they do really, really well. Um, I think with that comedy, it's so easy to get it wrong. It's so easy to lean too hard into it or sort of do it unthinkingly. But I think they they nail the writing. And it it's an interesting contrast because we can say, oh, it's so much easier because we've got more time. They've got so many more opportunities to fuck it up. That's true. Uh, and they, they really manage not to. Um, two things. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah. I was going to say, there's even moments like with Groot that I thought was great. Like there's one moment where like Rocket's confused because like you get the idea, like they play more with the fact that Rocket is translating what Groot's saying because like sometimes in the movies, it sounds like he like always knows, but they do play with it a bit in there too. But I remember at one point, like he's like, what do you mean plant them, right? Like he was like, what are you talking about? And like rec- realizing that Groot's saying like, Oh, Groot's asking, like, where will we bury these people, Buried him. right? Yeah. But, like, for Groot, it's just a plan. And I was like, that is that is neat. Like, they do this stuff where they, like, play on his, like, culture and, like, on... Anyway, I was just like, that's really clever. And, like, I dig that. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> one final thing, because I was actually going to bring that up myself. Um, the soundtrack. Uh, even if you don't play the game, and I think... Oh, no, there are two things, actually. So, soundtrack. Even if you don't play the game, and I think we our consensus is that you absolutely should play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the soundtrack is amazing, both in terms of the licensed music, and they wrote a whole album under like the moniker yeah. of Star Lord, uh, and that album is like pure '80s classic rock, and it's incredible. Um, I, I genuinely just listened to it on the semi regular now. It's really, really yeah. good. Um, second thing, you played on Series X, I want to say. Yes, I did. I played on PS4, and it's not the best way to play it. It's a very acceptable way to play it. The game, 95% of the time, runs great. Um, I did have a couple of crashes. Hmm. Particularly towards the end, I had some very, very sketchy frame rates. 
Uh, and this is on my blessed PS4. Uh, there's every chance that that you listening at home might have a worse experience on your console. If you don't have the next gen, you don't have a PC, you can absolutely play it that way. I All of the glowing praise that I've given to this game is based on that version of the game. Um, if you have another option, I would recommend playing it that way. Yeah, like even I, because I, I used the ray tracing mode and um, fucking incredibly gorgeous, like just beautiful. But um, it would chug in combat sometimes, like it really would. And I actually mm. noticed that occasionally it had issues with, with quick resume, I think, because quick resume would go on fine. But I noticed that, and I don't know why, but it seems like if the game had been playing for a while, it would start to chug a little bit. And so sometimes I would just close the game and like re- reboot it basically. And then it was just like, we're back up to speed. Um, I think that's why I had the crashes. I think it might be a memory leak thing. I think it is because it seemed to me that the longer it was on, the more that the game was just like, you know, and I'm like, uh-oh. Um, but then if I swap it to the performance mode, it honestly... It was actually like, because I know 60 FPS is amazing, but sometimes it's like a little disconcerting because like they're just like, they're almost too fluid, which might sound like a weird complaint, but I was like, oh, oh. like everything's just like moving, <laughs> like especially when you're used to the ray trace and it's it, 30 FPS looks great, like it does, but then suddenly it's up to 60 and everyone just looks like they're just like, I, it's like, you know, when we first started doing the 45 frames per second films and stuff and like the, 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 the Hobbit. 48. Was yeah, like, yeah, people yeah. are like, whoa, that doesn't look real. Yeah, yeah I totally Yeah, agree. it looks a little too much. Uh, that's what was happening in this one. It doesn't, it's not always the case with games. Like sometimes 60 FPS, you don't even notice. It just looks great. And I find maybe it's more often when I play first person perspective games and they, they bump it up. I don't notice it as much. But I think because I was controlling Quill, it just felt weird. And because I was switching in between, um, it's like if you start on one, you won't even notice, right? But when you're playing on one and then you switch to the other, you're like, oh, okay. So I had a habit of just clicking the switch over to performance mode, which the thing is, though, like I, I would recommend that for in battles. But like the ray trace is so incredible for exploration and cutscenes and stuff that like I'm almost I almost think it's worth losing the frames just to get that beautiful experience because it's such a like it's such a gorgeously created world and they like really I I love sci-fi too and like the the environments they created in this game are just incredible like it's so they look worth. amazing on PS4 I bet they pop oh my god the, the colors like everything the llama is my great is my the best thing ever <laughs> um, oh what do they call the llama the llama's got a name. I don't remember. I just Kami. know Space Llama. Kami. Kami. Oh, yeah, that's it. Kami the Space Llama. Um, and Cosmo the best boy. Yes, Cosmo truly is the best boy. Um, I like that it did kind Jotun of the telltale Quill. stuff, too. Or it was like, do you remember? Because like, I think there are a fair number of things that can change up, though I don't think it drastically changes anything. You might just have like a harder combat experience or something else. Um, or you miss like a collectible or something. But that was kind of nice. I, I, I kind of wish they did a little more with that, to be honest. But... I also yeah, it has like a low-key Telltale-esque thing where it's like, oh, Gamora noticed that you trusted her and stuff like that. Yeah. I, it feels like a really nitpicky complaint. They could have definitely done more with that, but I feel like it doesn't matter yeah. that they didn't. Well, exactly. I like To me, I was like, oh, that was nice. Maybe that's something they can expand on in the next one, which I think that would be a thing that I would imagine they would probably like push a little further if they make a sequel, you know? It seems like there's a couple things in this game that I was like, that was really cool. I would, I just would like more because it was great. <laughs> but then yeah, maybe they hit on the so. perfect part, right? I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird one because they could totally finish it where it is, but I would love to see more. 
And I'd like to think that the sales, once people were like, oh, no, this isn't a shit one, like, would justify that as well. This must have cleaned up in Black Friday. It has to have. Like, you know what I mean? Because, like, I, I was like, I saw that and I went, fuck yeah, or I'm going right in on this, you know? Mm. Um, but I hope so. Anyway, it was it was front and center on most of the sales, at least here in Canada. All right, sorry, we went way long on this one. <laughs> Consensus is, it's great. Yeah. Um, why don't I jump quickly through the other two that I, I played? I beat the great Ace Attorney Chronicles. I've been playing this since August. I've done it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> to be fair, I've been very on and off with it because I was doing it pretty slowly. Yeah. Uh, that second game, yeah, it's in top three Ace Attorney for me. Like, I think I'm always, like, for me, like, the second game... I think that's, is it Trials and Tribulation or Justice for All? Whatever. The uh, Justice one for All is the second one. Is the second one? Okay. Maybe it's Trials yep. and Tribulations that my, that's my favorite. I don't know. The first three Ace Attorney games are honestly to me like all similar level. Uh, but this one easily is of the same quality. And I would say probably better because they've just refined so many things. And... Um, Man, this second part goes fucking hard. Like every single thing they set up, they successfully pay off in just incredible ways. And like I also have to say, Ace Attorney, Ace Attorney isn't a who done it; it's a how done it, right? Like it's not yep. really because like it's not usually that hard to figure out who did. And in fact, a lot of them they show you who did it, right? Like and they do that less in this. And this one, they're very rarely. I don't think they almost ever like foreshadow exactly who did it but you can kind of guess like as i was playing like when the final resolution i was like i know i know but the reveal of how things happen is totally unpredictable like that's the thing where you like and not because it's like illogical it's just like you don't know like it could be anyone and it had me questioning who was involved so often throughout and um yeah it's just brilliant the, oh my god they oh, so there are these sherlock holmes deductions right and i won't spoil anything but i just have to say that they pay off those deductions in the best fucking way possible i was grinning from like cheek to cheek throughout the entirety of this one particular one that they do that is like the capstone to all the deductions and it is just oh my god it, it it makes you realize like they were setting shit up in the first game in the first freaking moments that you didn't even realize they were setting up or hinting at later on. And like things just like, ah, it's one of those, it is like the Pepe. <laughs> it's always sunny thing, but I was like, Oh my God, that's that. And it connects to that. And ah, like it's that moment. And it's just so, it's so good. Like the characters are so intelligently written Everyone is used well. The thing I love about Ace Attorney games is they bring people back, right? It's not about like, let's introduce millions of new characters. It's like, okay, I introduced a character. So how would they fit into this world? And how could they return? And man, it's just, it is so good. Like if you have never played Ace Attorney, I think this is the perfect place to start because it's modernized. It's gorgeous looking. The music is the best music I've heard in game in so long. Like it is iconically good. And like, yeah. oh God, every single moment, it's incredible. And I know, Rick, you don't like love these. And like, yeah, look, um, could courtrooms have happened? Like, no, it's not even pretending to be realistic. <laughs> like, it's just not. Um, 
And that's not the point of it. Like think of Ghost Trick, right? Detective stories don't happen like that. Like it's that kind of world. You know? I, mm, I, for me, it's the internal logic that feels fucked. Oh and no, the internal logic that, in this clearly, is clearly that's a me thing because yeah, yeah. you guys and lots of people love those games. That's fine. I, I, I think that's just a door that's closed to me and yeah. that's also fine. But I will say, I think the eternal logic is stronger. What you might find it stronger in this one because it's set around the turn of the century. So it's like, you know, like late 18, early 1900s kind of thing. So they actually pair back a lot of stuff. Um, and technology is actually less of a factor within this, um, though it does play in some like fun, interesting ways. Um, it's more I'll about- be honest, logic. it was the procedural more than the technological stuff that balked it for me. Where they're like, oh, yeah. the trial has to be done in three days. And it's like, oh, go fuck yourself. Like, oh, but see, yeah, I, I just, just found that, that really galling yeah. personally. Yeah, But see, actually, that's what I find interesting in this. Because the whole idea is that, like, the justice system here is kind of fucked. Um, and so, anyway, it's really neat. And they go to Britain, and it's very, very interesting. Because um, it's all set as, like, a uh, study tour in Britain. Anyway, these games are incredible. I highly, highly recommend them. Um, for me, one of the other reasons. Yeah, go ahead. One of the other reasons this is a perfect place to start for any newcomers to the series is because they pretty much like start from a clean slate. You don't yeah. have to know anything about the prior Ace attorneys because it is said before any of the other Ace attorneys. Yes. Well, if you wanted to enjoy, I don't know, like the. I'm gonna say Ace Attorney 3, you probably better play like the first two first. Yeah. Mainly because of how they are connected and because characters return. Yeah. There's no connections besides fun Easter eggy type things to the original trilogy. There are some shout outs to Professor Layton versus Phoenix, right? Not like in terms of Easter eggs. There's a particular one that I thought was cute. And it's not like very obvious, <laughs> but it's just like if you played the game, you're like nice you know um so i don't know you can really tell that they were deeply inspired while playing that while making that game and that this is very much seems to have like unlocked something in shutakubi's head it was just like i've got an idea and like went with this you know um so yeah i that give, reminds like, me of a puzzle yeah for me the first one was like a <laughs> 9 out of 10 and this one is easily a 10 out of 10 like the game is just it's just perfect. Like, I, I have nothing. I'm like, I I don't know what the fuck you could change with this game. Like, honestly, I was just like, yeah, that's it. That's a that's a perfect game for me, <laughs> you know? Um, as a package, it's more like nine, because again, the first one is a little, it drags a tiny little bit, um, but it's still well-written and, and great. But the second one is just like, mm, ah, shit's kiss. Anyway, uh, I also beat new Pokemon Snap. Taking pictures of Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. It's not a very long game. I don't know. It's it, look, it was fine. I I it's TM. It's fucking Pokemon Snap, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like one of those things where I'm just like, I don't know what anyone expects from this game. Like, it's a solid eight out of ten. It's it, the Pokemon are pretty. You're on a track, you use snappy snap photos. Uh I think I unlocked all the bonus stuff too. Um I like I liked it. It's good for while watching TV or something. You, you can tell if you want to really get everything because like there's like research level for each of the levels and you had to increase them to about basically you have to get to level two to unlock other stuff but then level two to level three which i think level because every time you get a new research level new things happen but from level two to level three uh 
that can go fuck itself. It is like so <laughs> freaking grindy because like you have to take so many photos and it takes so long. And I was like, I'm never going to level them up to level three. So if you just go through and play the story, fun. But if you're like obsessive and also the scoring system makes zero sense whatsoever. The stars are meaningless. <laughs> like I have taken shots where a Pokemon is like, ass first in the ground you can't even see the pokemon or like head first and like their ass up in the air or some shit they're like covered by a fucking plant and it's like three stars and i'm like what the fuck like, I'm like you got the twerking bonus did you not know right about the yeah i was bonus. like no that was the digging bonus you're good or like sometimes <laughs> i just got the back of a pokemon who's just standing there and they're like that's two stars and i was like there's not even another pokemon in the frame what is going on like i could never figure out and i'm sure there's like logical explanations but here's the deal one, I don't give a shit. Two, they don't explain it. Three, I don't give a shit. So like that was like I'm done. If it doesn't make sense, I'm done. They like explain it once, but then it never actually makes sense. And here's another gripe I have. Uh they give you these fucking um challenges to do. But half the time, I would complete the challenge the first time I did it. I'd get the shot that they're asking for, but then you gotta go and fucking do it again. again. Bullshit. Uh, I should have just been allowed to take the photo I took the first time and say, I did that challenge. So I get, I stopped doing the challenges. And they're, they're organized poorly. Like, it's just this giant request list. And I was like, why don't you oh, just yeah. put the requests onto each level? Let me check them as I'm playing the fucking level so that I can get them done. Instead, it's like, no, man, watch before and go do your three-minute fucking Pokemon course again. And you're like, no, I don't want to do that. 300 times like i get they're trying to milk out like give you more to do in a game but like bruh come on <laughs> and what the audience can't see but can maybe slightly hear is paula's pain having i think done all of this stuff <laughs> yeah paula's because really? paula went for like hardcore with the <laughs> I, next, I, yeah i didn't i i didn't do like all the challenges but at the very least i completed the photo decks Oh my god, that's incredible. You completed the photo decks. Jesus, how how many are in the photo decks? Because I don't think I even got... Well, I don't know. I probably got close, but... 200 and something, maybe? I don't mm -hmm. know. I'll have to check. I, I think I... That... Yeah? I, I just know that, uh, especially if I, I got all the shots in the, for the legendaries, and I remember mm. Suikun being a pain in the ass. Because to oh. get like the actual decent shots, uh, you have to... Like, first, arrive to a secret part of the level because there are a lot of like secret paths that are actually like very, very cool. And then you have to, um, I think it was like to throw a uh, Illumina ball to a Jinx that is like floating on to a bigger Pokemon, like in the water, and it's trying like to stop it. And you have to throw an Illumina orb, and then. And Suicune will come, like, right in the water, which, by the way, is cool as shit. That is cool, but I'll tell you, this should tell you how far I got, and I don't even fucking know if Suicune's in the game, so <laughs> clearly, <laughs> I, clearly I didn't do that. <laughs> Did really, you get like, everything to level is... three? Uh... Like, how many research levels yeah. are there? Oh my god, girl, then a you three. played for a long time. Yep. <laughs> I played over 30 hours of this game, I think. Oh, shit. I did oh 10, and God. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I was like, I've oh, seen I... all the Pokemon I need to see. 
Yeah, I like I really like the arena Pokemon stuff, and I actually like mm -hmm. did all the extra stuff on there too. So I had a lot of fun like doing a lot of the extra stuff. There were some that were rude and I was like, nope, thanks, no thanks. Like for example, there was like uh on the secret pad there was um a Pokemon like encased in the ice and you have like to trigger an event with two jinx like to make them like use psychic or something and make it like break out a bit. And I don't know why, but I got the two jinx using the attack, but it didn't work. So I was like, yep, yeah, nope, uh. not doing this. Bye. <laughs> yeah. You know, and someone who's like, this is like my Metroid Dread rant last week. I'm like, ah, ah this game, 8 out of 10. But like, <laughs> the reality is like, as someone who doesn't even really care about this stuff and only kind of cares about Pokemon, I actually had fun, right? So like, it's a good game. And it is quite pretty. Mm -hmm. Now, I only played it on the handheld, so who knows what it looks like blown up. But it is quite pretty. It looks beautiful. Yeah. I have to try it out. Yeah. I might have the Metroid Jet experience, like with my freaking uh, <laughs> the 4K, and suddenly you're like, ah, the textures. But I think they did a pretty, pretty good job with this. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, you know, it's it's Pokemon Snap. If you like taking photos, you're gonna like new Pokemon Snap. If you don't like Pokemon, why would you ever play this game? <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> anyway, why does someone I mean, else take cute, it? I think it's cute, but you like it if you like Pokemon. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think, Pally, you should go next because me and Alex spent about 15 minutes talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, okay. So I finished a couple of Charter games this week because, oh my god, the last assignment on one of those classes was hell. Anyways, Lula's Fishing Garden. A very, very, very adorable game where you uh, play as this uh, human girl that kind of like washes up on this island where there's like I think it's a fox it's called Luna and she's mad because like the weather happened and all the island like there's a lot of debris and like stuff like floating in the water on, on her island so she's like I need to clean up the, all of this and she pretty much wants you to clean the, the whole place like and, and, and do like a lot of like little missions uh and then she will return you home and it is a very charming game the um the pixel art of the game is fantastic the fishing game is a lot of fun and it better be fun because you'll spend like most of uh a, a huge part of the game like uh either like fishing or um cultivating and harvesting like plants and stuff like that Though it is about two hours or three hours long if you want to do everything in the game. Uh, it never uh, overstayed its welcome. And I really recommend it if you want like a more relaxing experience overall. Uh, and then Islanders. I initially thought this would be like more of a city builder game. So it kind of like caught my eye that it was like only like seven hours on how long to beat. In reality, it's more of a puzzle game because you're given, uh, you're like put into an island and you're given like at the start of, of the thing, like two options. Let's say you have like uh, the plaza pack and the, I don't know, like the uh, cabin pack or something like that. And you have to like choose one of those and 
the buildings, each time you place a building, it will give you a score. If you place your buildings, like, certain buildings next to another, it could give you, like, more points or less points, depending on what uh, is, like, the overall surroundings of the building. So it turns into a little puzzle game where if you run out of buildings and you haven't, like, leveled up to get, like, a new set of buildings, uh, it's game over. Well, you could, like, be eternally building, doing, like, placing buildings if you're, like, uh, very good at the game. There's a bunch of different islands, which I saw them all. I actually got all the achievements on this uh, because it is that addictive. And uh, you have to really strategically think, like, which buildings you are choosing to place. Because, for example, on some islands you will have, like, less space to build, or you have, like, more sand, so you can, like, focus, like, on, uh, on, like, these structures that kind of, like, make bricks that, uh, uh and those structures will get, more, like, more points depending on the... I guess the natural resources you have, like, on hand. And I'm just gonna say, there's two achievements that were, like, very difficult to get. One, where you have to lose a total of 100 points on a level. I think it was 100, yeah. And I don't remember the, the name of the thing, but you have to really, really, really either get very lucky and have, like, one of those big buildings that really don't want certain kind of buildings around uh, or just try to misplace things uh, but still like being careful because if you don't get like enough points then you can keep building shit and finally like the the most difficult yet satisfying uh, achievement to get is the one that with a single building you earn 75 points I think and that's the last achievement I got because it really takes a lot of understanding and a bit of luck and strategizing because you have to be like, okay, if I want to build this building, then I have to have like this amount of space and probably I would like to have like these kind of buildings like around it to get like max points for it. So yeah, that was Islanders. It is actually a very complex uh, kind of city builder, but more of a puzzle game. And they have a lot of fun. So, Rake, take it away. Yeah, I've um, I've got a few big ones this week, to be fair. Um, mostly mm. co-op stuff, so we'll start with co-op stuff. Um, I, with uh, an IRL friend over the course of the past like year and a bit, have been uh, slogging through Earth Defense Force 4.1, The Shadow of New Despair, uh, for PS4. Anyone who's listening and who's ever played an EDF game before, it's another one of those. For anyone who hasn't, um, this started as one of the simple series in Japan. Um, it is basically a, a very, very bare-bones um, third-person action game um, where you fight through levels of like wave-based uh, bug hunting. Uh, it's not focused on the graphics. It's very much focused on the sheer quantity of bugs that you're facing and the amount of firepower and sort of city destruction you can do. Lots of fun co-op. You really are playing sort of the same level sort of 50 times or so um it, it the variety is one of the areas that this this sort of series lacks big style so there are 89 levels total in the release 
to be honest, we were kind of done with the game about level 60, but by that point we were sort of committed. We wanted to finish it off. Um, and when I saw my friend last week, uh, we spent about five hours just bum rushing the last sort of portion of the game. Uh, they are great for what they are. There's not really a lot to say because they, there's not really a lot to the game. There's aim, there's shoot, there's jump, there's reload, and there's switch weapon. That That's literally it. Um, over time, they have fleshed those games out. So you have like um, different character classes that do slightly different things. Um, they mix up the formula quite a lot. But ultimately, there's only so much you can do change, shoot, crawly thing in various inversions. Um, and that, that's not to minimize the game. The minute that, you know, the game is excellent and we had an excellent time doing it. Um, I would say if you're someone who's looking to get new into the series, either pick the newest one or there's a great entry on Vita, believe it or not. Um, mm. It's a remake of the second Earth Defense Force. Um, it's called EDF2 Invaders from Planet Space. And it is probably the most accessible of the games in the series um, because it's on handheld, because it's quite straightforward. Um, because it's a base game that they've done a lot of polishing to and given like a fresh coat of paint. Um, I think it's a really, really excellent way to sort of dip your toe in if you'd like to give the games a try and have a Vita. Um, if not, 4.1 is great. It's really, really cheap. Uh, EDF 5 is pretty cheap as well, though. So if you're going to jump in, I'd say that's probably a better starting point. Uh, we've already jokingly said that we might try and start that one next year, but we'll see. Um, the other one, that we've beaten in co-op, uh, this time with friends of the podcast, um, Cock, aka Matt, and Abatage, uh, our fantasy critic coach, uh, we beat a game called Risk of Rain 2. Um, this is the sequel to the original Risk of Rain, both made by Hoppo Games. The first one was 2D. With Risk of Rain 2, they've brought it into the 3D space. And considering that the core team's only five strong, uh, they've done a phenomenal job um, translating everything from that 2D perspective to 3D, uh, making that concept work in the same way, uh, fleshing out the number of items and weapons and worlds, uh, making the roguelite formula sort of really sing. Um, I think they do probably the best I've ever played with in terms of making that roguelike stuff feel unique every single run, um, give you that kind of breadth of experience while also giving you sort of familiar things that you can sort of build yourself around. Um, certainly does it better than Hades, in my view, for example, to give sort of listeners quite a, a general sort of touch point for it. Um, and the core gameplay loop is just excellent. I mean, even in single player, it's really, really good. But as a, as a trio, it's been even more fun sort of strategizing, well, how much do we want to loot? When do we want to activate teleport? How do we want to make this work? So um, the the loop itself basically you are stranded in this sort of star system and you're trying to find your way home. Uh, that entails, in various sort of small biomes, finding and activating a teleporter, killing the boss monster that comes out of it, and then using the teleporter to go to the next world and essentially hopping five or six worlds until you find the one where your spaceship is so you can get home. Um, the longer your run lasts, the more aggressive and dangerous and powerful the enemies become. And so you have a constant ticking counter in the top right of your screen that goes from easy to medium to hard to I see you to ha 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 And there's this massive risk reward thing. Your, your money resets every biome. Um, so you have this thing of, well, how much money do I want to accrue? How much is it worth 
uh, letting that counter go up to allow me to make myself more powerful with extra experience and items and, and what have you. Um, and also sometimes you really want to rush through and you just can't find the teleporter. And so there's so many different sort of micro decisions that that setup draws out of you. And that's what makes it so compelling. Um, the game's excellent. It's on Switch. It's on all the consoles. We played it on PC. Um, I think with mouse aim and with all the extra inputs, I think that's the best way to play it. But I, I imagine all those consoles work. Um, Hopper have always done an excellent job of optimizing their games for other systems. Um, check this game out. It's excellent. So that's the two co-op ones. And if anyone does want to play co-op in the How Long to Beat Discord, we have Risk of Rain 2 sessions running. That's a thing that you can join in on. So think on that. Um, we've already talked about Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, two games I was playing last week that I've beaten um, in single player. The first one of those is The Blind Prophet. So it's like a, a LucasArts-esque adventure game. The art's gorgeous. I don't really want to say too much about it because there isn't loads to say about it. Certainly not much more than, than what I said last week. The art's incredible. The music's really, really good. The story is somewhat unique. I wouldn't say it's incredible, but it's certainly enough to hold you and carry you through the adventure. Um, it's very much one for genre fans, I'd say. Uh, the, the logic for the puzzles is always pretty straightforward. They've done a good job of sort of mapping that curve and making it all relatively intuitive. Um, but I think there's better games to play before you come to this if you haven't played um, some of the Monkey Islands, Beneath a Steel Sky. Um, not quite identical, but you know some of the Telltale games. I think there's better genre examples to to jump into before you go to this. But I had a great time with it. I found the art especially compelling. It's like playing a comic book. Um, the, the art's beautiful. I, I can't overemphasize just how amazing it is. Um, especially for, for such a small project, this was a Kickstarter thing. I, I didn't back the Kickstarter. I bought it after the fact. But it's always worth bearing in mind with a game like this. Um, so go and check it out if that sounds even remotely interesting to you. Um, and then the last one I played, and I think this is interesting in the concept, in the... Um, context rather of your recent metro j dread playthrough alex um i played a little metrovania called time spinner which i thought was bloody exceptional i had a great time with this one um very much wears its symphony of the night um Ooh, that's music to my ears there i right down to having like familiars and various like bits and bobs like that like you can tell that they basically said i love that i want to make one of those mm. um the orbs I think are a nice approach to weaponry. So that there's a much smaller pool, but they each do very unique things. Uh, they also bleed into your equipment system um, and they have their own sort of experience gain and level progression. Uh, they always give you a reason to try them out versus the other ones that you have. There are some that are infinitely better than others, but um, there's enough there to play with over what is relatively a short campaign. Um to hit an ending, it took me just shy of six hours. Um, That's not bad. I think it's a really good length for what it does. Uh, if you then want to go and sort of get the proper ending and, and tie some other bits in, uh, there's like a gauntlet mode that you can tie in with some optional bosses. You can get sort of closer to eight, eight and a half, nine hours out of the game. Um, quite an involved story for a Metroidvania. Um, one that I think was actually remarkably deep 
went to some interesting places. I think very commendable in that respect and actually a, a big plus in a way that most Metrovanias don't have that. Um, so I think that's worth shouting out. Um, otherwise, it's just a, it's a great Metrovania. Like I gave it a 9 out of 10 and I feel in a way that I didn't with games like Blasphemous, I feel quite confident in saying you should go and play this, even if you haven't played some of the other greats first. Um, it's on Vita, which is always a massive plus. Um, and in reviews, you might see some stuff about performance. It has been patched since those reviews happened. I had an incredibly smooth experience throughout. Um, Alex, you said you have it on Switch. So I, I imagine it's, also yeah. there. it's often very cheap on Switch. And I would imagine around good old Boxing Day time, this will probably be down, down, down. So show. And it's on PS4 and 5. It's on the Xbox consoles. It's on PC. It's basically all the places that you'd expect to play it. And uh, I think it's really, really worth a look, especially given it's slightly shorter length for the genre, uh, and especially if you can get it on a discount. Um, I paid full price. I was more than happy with my experience at full price. Um, I think it's a really good game. And yeah, I've just had a a really, really strong set of completions um, compared to what I've had for the past few weeks, which is nice. Yeah. Um, Some easy recommendations there, Uh, especially Risk of Rain 2 and especially Guardians of the Galaxy of the five, but they're all... They're all well worth playing of the ones that I've talked about this week. Um, as equally is the one retirement we've got this week, Alex. <sighs> Just because it's a good game mm. doesn't mean I want to play it. Uh- <laughs> no. so- oh, snap. Oh, snap. It's actually funny. Like I want to jump in on this too, though, because I see some people talk about, like, I, there was a discussion on the Discord recently about like ratings and like reviews and how because like we're talking about fantasy critic league and like why is seven considered like something lower than that a bad game and then people are also saying like sevens are so often given out like an eights and all that they're so often but like i i think the reality is that a lot of games nowadays are just very technically sound right like many many games are just they are just good right um and so like the distinctions are now even i think even more so very much in the subjective realm, right? Like, what do you actually enjoy or what are you in the mood for? And so I retired mm-hmm. Rhythm Heaven, which is a phenomenal game. Like, it's very fun. It's a good rhythm game. Um, but what I also realize is, like, as I'm playing through it, I got about halfway through. It's just I prefer more WarioWare micro games than these this style of, like, specifically rhythm-focused games. And when it comes to rhythm games, I prefer more um, along the lines of games like Guitar Hero or like, you know, rhythm music games where you're like trying to hit along to like the rhythm of a song. I prefer that than just games that are riffing off the idea of rhythm. Um, That being said, this is a game that I think people should try because it's quite unique. Um, But I was like, I'm not having as much fun now. Like, I just feel like I'm trying to just kind of memorize how these sort of rhythm sections work. And I'm also not particularly incredibly good at rhythm, right? Like, I I have okay rhythm um, that came from my time of playing music. Um, But I don't think, like, my rhythm isn't, like, very incredibly good, you know? Like, I'm not, like, spot on to rhythm all the time. Like, it, it can take me a little bit. I'm pretty good at, like, staying on a beat, and I think that comes from like my practice playing piano and guitar and everything, like having to stay on a beat. But when they start to mess with it, and we talked about this before, I get, I'm quite bad at that when they start to kind of mess around and change it up really fast on me. Like I need more of a measured beat. So uh, I love that, especially with yeah. the choir singers when they start having you do like off beats. And... Yeah. And like that, I'm, I'm just I'm <laughs> honestly not good at that, you know? Um, 
So anyway, Rhythm Heaven is very fun. It's also a game that's in bursts, you know, and like I got, I got my fill of it. Like I, by the time I got the fifth one, I was like, that's actually what I wanted from this game. I got what I wanted. I don't need to like play it through to completion. Someday I might, but today I won't. So again, good game. In fact, a very good game, but just not for me. <laughs> um, and that's really, what? Yeah, sorry, Paula. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough, right? I do recommend people try it, though. Like, I really think people should give this a shot. It's Like, you can get it on the DS. I played it on my hacked 3DS. So um, pop it on there and just try it, because you'll probably have a really fun time, though you might not get all the way through. And it does let you skip um, sections if it's particularly hard, because this really, really relies on you having good rhythm. Like, that's, like, paramount in this, you know? Um, okay, well, why don't we move on, then, to what we're playing? Uh, I don't know. Paula, why don't you go ahead? Because we've both been chatting. <laughs> yeah, I, I only have, like, a couple of things that I've been playing, mainly because, first of all, I changed uh platforms again for Fire Emblem Genealogy of the Holy War, because <laughs> I really like, like, seeing the sprites like on the big screen and all that but i don't know for me fire emblem has always been that portable experience so it kind of felt wrong so i'm playing on my uh 3ds that is not a 3ds a nintendo switch light <laughs> uh because if you have the uh what's the name for it the yeah, the Nintendo Switch Online subscription. You can actually like download the uh, Famicom and Super Famicom mm. and just play it. So Fire Emblem Genealogy of the Holy War is available on the Super Famicom service kind of thing. And uh, it is completely in Japanese, sadly. But I am getting used to like just having like a translation guide on your on the side, and I found like uh, a little like uh, a cheat sheet with all like the uh, icon abilities and stuff like that, and the descriptions and what they actually do. So I'm pretty much replaying everything I already played uh, to catch up and like properly play the game the way I I prefer. But the start of the week. Uh, for me is Cupid Parasite because this might be one of my like uh, STR Otome games here. Oh. That's how much I've been enjoying it. Like, first of all, um, even just presentation wise, it is nuts. Because, first of all, the, the artist for this game is Julia, and that's the same artist that for that uh, that made the, the character. Designs for Cafe Enchante. And you all know how I fucking love Cafe Enchante and how pretty I think it is. And Cupid Parasite doesn't fall behind on that department. Like, it has some uh, amazingly cool uh, CGs on pretty much all the routes. Like, composition wise, I like the watch was. Okay, I'm not gonna go down that fabricable, but it is a very pretty game. Also, the music. You have to listen to both the opening and the ending of this song the opening is amazing it's very energetic and the ending is totally chill and i love it and of course the the comedy on this game is top notch so far like that is one very uh difficult thing to to nail in these kind of games and the localization of some of the jokes is actually pretty good so nice there there you go 
and the the game doesn't take itself seriously. I already said this is a rom-com, and you're gonna laugh a lot. And there's like some outer moments that is like they don't make sense, but they're hilarious, and it is just a good time. Like so. Um, I am currently on my fifth route. I finished the Prestige Parasite, uh, Shelby Snail route, and kind of, it, it kind of, like, depicted a more, like, modern couple where both, uh, both people, like, work and have, like, the, their personal, like, work life. They're kind of, like, both workaholics and then just spend time home. You have the... Oh, and it has one of the coolest CGs of the game. That was amazing. Uh, sorry. And you have the third Raul, who was the obsessed parasite, and that was Raul, the Sillywood actor. And that character kind of like revolved around the Ludus kind of love, that it's like love for fun. So since this actor kind of like had to act into a romantic movie but it's kind of like the the kind of person that can properly act something if they lived through something similar before uh, he was having a very hard time with it so like um the protagonist being cupid she was like hey we're gonna teach you what emotions are are like uh so and we have to like fix like things here because being like the the ludus kind of character he's like oh yeah she, he pretty much used to like um sleep with other people for fun and that was kind of like showing on how seriously he was taking the role this route went went places uh, especially like with the with the gods and stuff and I don't want to spoil it, but damn, I wasn't expecting like the the gods from Celestia like to actually be involved on some of this stuff, which I don't know why I didn't expect it. The protagonist is stupid, but things went crazy near the end of the route, and it was like a very satisfying route overall. The progression, like first of all, like the progression for. Uh, for the, the 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 protagonist Lynette and Raul's relationship was very interesting and very satisfying like to watch overall but also they actually went like on a little adventure because of how Raul is um obsessed with mythology and he was like hey the professor of my university of this university like the which pretty much like the the leader of the of the mythology club said they found like ruins and stuff and uh, they had to explore through the the ruins and excavate like stuff don't ask there it makes no sense why they go there but it it is one of my favorite like fortunes of the game and it was incredibly executed um finally i finished i i went through ryuki's route too and that is the glamour parasite and he's like more of uh eros kind of person like uh he loves beauty in general so this character has synesthesia i think it is pronounced where he kind of like perceives people as colors to a degree <laughs> and uh, to him every 
I said I have a friend who actually has synesthesia. She like sees like when people speak in general, like she'll see colors. It's like it's like in your peripheral vision, like sounds, music, mm. people's voices. It's not so much that you see into I mean, I don't know how this game's interpreting it, but it's like it's like there's a tint of color in her periphery whenever they're like based on certain sounds and noises. But it probably is something like that. Also, I have a friend. I also had a friend who had synesthesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could taste colors, and he fucking yeah. hated the color purple. Yeah. He said it was fucking disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's very. It's such a varied um, thing. Like, it, 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 anyway, sorry. Go ahead. This is like totally not related. It's just I find it interesting. It's like people's experiences with it can be vastly different. It's really interesting. Keep yeah. <laughs> I really find uh, synesthesia as a whole interesting, but okay, back to the thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like, uh, Ryuki kind of has uh, his own brand. He's a fashion designer, and uh, the and and the thing with him is that um, the, his family itself is like so ingrained on beauty itself that if he finds someone like unattractive about like below a certain score, he pretty much, like, doesn't notice them. And it's like, okay, if you're, like, this pretty, then we can have, like, a working relationship. If you're, like, this pretty, we can be acquaintances. And then friends. And then it's like, above this score, I... Uh, I'll maybe start considering you, uh, like, love material. Uh, so it was, like, very rough <laughs> Oh my god. So oh. it was like very difficult for Lynette. Like Lynette al- Lynette always ends up like so fucking frustrated because of how these guys are like so quirky. Uh to the point like he was pissed as Adrol, like utterly pissed. It's like fuck you. If follow these instructions or I'm not talking to you ever again as your instructor. And re- with uh with Ryuki it became a little bit more difficult because, like, the um, since he also like perceived people like as with a, a like an aura of color or something like that, um, they're like a, a group of colors that he tries to erase from memories he sees them. And he also tags in color codes. Like, if you meet him, he will give you a color a hex code that is supposed to be like the color of your um. Uh, you have. Um, I also really for, what I like from this route is how they, I guess, like how their relationship went like in a very organic way, when like uh, from working relationship to acquaintances to friends to lovers. And also, I really like the secondary couple because again, Lynette is a bright eyed advisor, so she kind of have too much have like, like these two particular people, but. Uh, the girl she was advising kind of have like uh, insecurities like with her appearance and stuff and she actually got Ryuki to like do a seminar on like fashion and stuff like that and it really like it kind of like worked really well to the point like this character who was like very shy ended up like chewing Ryuki's ear off after a certain point in the game and I was like yeah go girl and uh, yeah, this route is probably the most lighthearted of the entire game. And some people said that it's like better played as the first route. But I really think 
playing it as the fourth route was the best idea ever because of how crazy route story is and how out there because it is is Alan's route, which is the fifth route that I'm currently playing. And if I remember correctly, Alan's route Alan's is love type is media and that is enthusiastic love but it's also like the more I don't want to say sad route of the game but it has like mm, I want to say less comedy and it focuses more on something that happened before the game and this route made me go full team foil hat theory so yeah, I am very invested in this route right now because there's like uh, bread breadcrumbs that were like left like during the first four routes of the game, and then you start like, <laughs> hey, wait a second, why is he trying to do this? Oh wait, but that is related to this, and that is related to that, and yeah, the, I I really want to go, uh, want to see where this is gonna go, but yeah, that is Cupid Parasite for this week. I played a bunch of it. I am sorry for the long Clearly. update. <laughs> Take <right>. a potato. <laughs> and uh, the audience would be happy to know that your switch is sealed away in case your finger slips. <laughs> oh yeah, because I had to like clean up the apartment, and I was like, okay, if I if I keep playing this, I I'm gonna do you're shit. Screwed. So, uh, so Rick, yeah. why don't you go ahead and, and let us know what you're playing? Because I uh, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, you always have to go last usually when we do playing. So why don't you go second? <laughs> Yeah, I suppose I do. Um, and I've I've got a fair bit on the go, to be fair. So um, I'm still playing Risk of Rain 2, so that's still sat in the playing. Um, we When we beat it, I'll, I'll confess, we beat it on easy. <gasps> Fake gamers. Um, are so we, we are <laughs> we are We are playing some more, A, because it's an excellent game, uh, B, because we want to beat it on normal. And, um, oh, shit. See... Cock was like, oh, you have to like describe it this way. He just blurted out in the middle of one of our playthroughs, was like, oh yeah, risk of rain two from abortion to euthanasia. <laughs> well, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting any more context from me. Um, <laughs> so we're still playing that. Um, I played some more Peace Walker on Vita. Uh, I now have the rocket launcher that launches Fulton Recovery balloons, and it's glorious. You just fire this rocket at a group of enemies, and it emits a plume of smoke, and then they all just go flying up into the air. It's amazing. I've um, basically been completing X drops for like 15 hours cumulatively at this point to get to the point where I've unlocked this rocket launcher, and it was worth every second. Um, I've got like 10 X drops left to complete. Um, I will probably save the rest of those till Christmas because um, there's like a few vehicle battles, uh, and they're always best played in co op. So that'd be when I see my brother again next. Um, the game's still amazing. Uh, if you have any way to play it, you should still play it. I feel like it's um, up there with some of the best games of that generation. Um, and it's definitely the groundwork for what happened with um, MGS5, and people love that. So if you love that, you'll probably love this as well. Um, Oracle of Seasons is still technically on my playing. I've still not gotten beyond like the first cutscene, really. So I do need to get to that. It's still technically there. <laughs> um, I've played a little bit more of The Witcher. I am slowly chipping away at that. That's one where again I'll probably sort of have a bit more time to sort of sit down and commit myself to it over Christmas. Now that Guardians is finished, yada yada. Um, I started a PSP RPG called Crimson Gem Saga, 
this is very much RPG the RPG. It, it's very, mm. very stark. Um, but the art's kind of nice. The story's inoffensive. And this game has a weird nostalgia for me. So um, when it came out, it had an iOS port as well. Uh, and that iOS port was always like six or seven pounds, which is more than I really wanted to spend an iOS game. But I always sort of lusted after the iOS version. Um, and then years and years and years later, find out that it was actually on the PSP originally. Um, and it's kind of interesting playing this game that I wanted a little bit to play for so, so long. Um, and, you know, so far it's nice. I don't know if I'll stick with it, but um, the combat system's inoffensive. Um, it, it doesn't really do anything wrong. It, so far it's fine. <laughs> it's, fine TM, it's that's not, been our whole week. <laughs> literally, literally. Um, so we'll see where that one goes. And one that, unfortunately, so far for me has not even reached the vaunted heights of fine TM um, is Chicory. I, I've admittedly, I've only played like 20 you? minutes of it. Oh, I'm not Jesus. very far in at all. You're not even, I'm not like, very far in, you're not even in the all. hook yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. This game has not hooked me yet. I, I am very much committed to playing more of it. We will see if it gets me in the way that it got you, Alex, but so far it has not. I but actually then, think that so far is not very long. Yeah, because when you told me at first, I was like, "Oh shoot, I guess he's not." But then when you told me twenty minutes, I went, "Oh, never mind. All right." Like I'm like, I'm I'm curious to see what you think. There's a certain point where for me it like grabbed me because like I also agree with you. Like when I was first starting it, I was like, "Okay, this is fine." Like you know what I mean? Like there was nothing really. Like I was like, "All right." Well. But there's a certain point where the kind of really the conceit of it really kind of hits properly, and you're like, "Oh, cool, okay," and like then it becomes a little more fun. So I'm curious to see if that'll happen for you or not. Mm um i i think they could have done the intro a lot better knowing roughly where some of it goes based on what you've said i think yeah. they could really do a better job of onboarding not least because the game asked me what my favorite food was and i answered it <laughs> and then characters in the game started referring to me as steak okay <laughs> it's like, oh, oh that's... Okay, that's what i'm called now cool yeah. i'm pretty sure you can change your name too though if you want to um... I, i'm kind of committed to steak now that's... yeah i loved i'm bread yeah. That's why. That's who my character was. <laughs> that's not your favorite food, you boring, boring boy. No, bread is straight up my favorite food because it is the most. No, it's not. Food that's a lie. Time. You bet it is. That's not... pizza's bread. Um, <laughs> sandwiches are bread. All of it's bread. No. It's all flour. Oh, I love not... bread. No, you're wrong. Right but no. you don't understand. I will eat bread always. Anyway, sorry. I, I'm excited to see what you think as you get further through it. I mean, you know, there's a chance you'll hate it, but I don't, I don't Welcome know. Welcome back to the How Long to Eat podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, well, what how long I... to wheat podcast in your case and how long to meet podcast in my case. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm <laughs> playing a couple new games, actually, that I just started because I just beat a bunch of old longings, right? Well, I don't know. I love that you just didn't even engage with that. You're like, right, no, I'm, gonna like, I'm just going to move right on. <laughs> <laughs> um, though I should say, actually, for those who might, might be wondering, there is the 12 games of Itchmas going on right now. And we are actually planning on doing like an actual episode about that later because um, we figured it's better to talk about all of those once they've all happened. Um, but just mm -hmm. if you're wondering, like, why didn't he talk about any of those? We are playing them, but we're going to save a conversation for a bit later. And I've been having fun so far. The discussion's great. If you're not doing this, check out the Discord, look on how long to beat forums. We've got some great discussions going on in the games right now. We're like four or five days in as of recording. It's been wonderful. Although by the time mm -hmm. this comes out, it might be done. <laughs> you know? Those yeah. games aren't going anywhere, though. You can play exactly. along in your own time. Um, exactly. All month. 
and forever after, I guess. <laughs> so, um, I started Monster, Hun- Monster Hunter Rise on the Switch. Oh, oh. Well, this is a game. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> you never, you ever had that feeling when you walk into a game and you're like, oh, holy shit. There's a lot I need to learn. <laughs> and like, that is the feeling entering yeah. into Hunter Rise where I'm like, oh no, this is very much an established thing. And like, I bet you there are people who come into this and like, suddenly I get it when like people talk about Pokemon, they're like, oh my God, why do I have to fucking do the catching the ball thing again here? And like, as someone who's never played a Monster Hunter game, I'm like, okay, no, I understand why we need a very detailed tutorial at the beginning of all these games. <laughs> I'm like, what's happening? (laughs) There's just so much in this game. And like, I don't understand the control scheme because I've just never played one. So I feel like a dummy all over again. Uh, But it's, man, it's beautiful. Like Capcom sold their souls to some kind of demons or something because like this thing looks way better than anything should ever be allowed to look on the Switch. Um, And the character models too, like, uh, holy crap. Uh, and this is why I complain about Dread. This shit looks so much better. <laughs> like, it is so good looking. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm just delving in. I, I have hardly gotten anywhere with this game. Like I literally went through the tutorial and I'm wire bugging around and I'm, I, I chose dual blades because I want to be fast. <laughs> so I'm doing that. <laughs> so I, I, I always hit the wrong button because I keep forgetting, you know, I'm playing on my Xbox and X is Y, but Y is potion and monster hunt. Ah, fuck. So I'm just like on my Palamute and I've got to drink a potion and I'm like, shit, I, don't, I have limited amount of potions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why'd you stop drinking a potion <laughs> when I hit people? Um, so, I did the exact kill. opposite way around. I'm used to like the yeah. Nintendo orientation. Then my Steam controller's got the Xbox one. <laughs> And I like do a QTE on PC and I have to look at my controller to see which button I'm hitting. I know, right? That's why I hate QTEs. I'm like, I don't fucking know. I, I play games on so many devices, man. I don't have all these inputs memorized. <laughs> I'm like, give me a minute. Uh, so anyway, I will regale you all with the adventures of a first time monster hunter er uh, over the next few weeks. Cause I'm committed to playing this game and beating it because I I can tell it's good. I just really want to like understand why people enjoy these. I don't envision myself becoming a big monster hunter player. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I have too many incredible series that I'm way too into to get this into this one, but I really want to try Rise because it seems like a, it is a more accessible one. But like I didn't even realize like walking right into it, there's like village quests and those are like the single player ones and there's the hub quest, which is like the playing with friends quests. But I was like, oh, are these the normal? Oh, no. Oh, go to the village. And I was like, what is happening? It's <laughs> just like, okay. <laughs> anyway, if someone wants to play Monster Hunter Rise with me, help a dummy out. I will happily play. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that playing that. I'm, I also, okay, I don't know why I bought this, but I bought Lego Harry Potter collection because it was like 10 bucks. And I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind playing that. And these games are really cute. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's, they're just fun. Like, I, I love the like weird, silly way that they, you know, and this is of course before they were doing the voice acting and I love it without the voice acting. I'm sure it's fine with it, but like watching them mime their way through Harry Potter, is just very funny to me. Um, so I've just been having a good time. Are they simple? Duh. Like it's just a collect-a-thon, but it's like, I love being able to like, you know, create Lego things and like, you know, make this, everything do weird, funny things. Like they have such a good sense of humor to them that I actually find like fairly genuine. Like it's one of the few games where like I actually chuckle while playing at times. I'm like, I was like sitting there. I was like, 
it's pretty good. And it's a perfect game to play while watching TV or something because no, there's no talking. <laughs> so you're just, you know, you're just watching funny things happen. And of course, they use the hair, like the movie music. So pretty good stuff. Uh, anyway, playing that. And then lastly, I have started playing Tales of Arise. Um, what a strong five hour start. Like I have to say, you know how often JRPGs, like I was, okay, I picked it up and I was like, here we go. Like, am I going to have like a, you know, one hour opening segment where I just watch, but no, this game gets you going like right away and puts you into the heart of like a dungeon and like battling like very fast. And like, it's like a really solid first five hours. And so instead of like, like often where you, I feel like JRPGs, the first five is like, okay, you just got to get through that shit and then, you know, it'll be fun, right? Like, like that's kind of what I feel like a lot of the times, but this one, no, like it is right off the bat and the combat system is fun. I could see how maybe this combat system might get a little stale, but like, because, you know, it's like an action RPG, but you can switch through all your characters, but the characters will also fight independently. Um, so I think to keep it from being stale, it's probably a good idea to switch between your party members once in a while and then manually control different people just to like kind of, you know, shake things up a little bit which i did try doing and i found quite enjoyable um it's absolutely stunningly gorgeous i mean it looks like a i don't i don't even know a cartoon come to life right like it's just so it's so colorful and that's i think what i love like often we've had like a lot of those muted games but the colors in this are so vibrant and just bright and beautiful and it's totally weeby like it's just like it's so anime at times like the way that they talk like the main character occasionally he's just like but you want to help people you are such a good person like this kind of you know like (laughs) that kind of thing and she's like whatever like all that stuff you know like it's so stupid but like it's endearingly so like i i would say it's kind of like you know there are all those like like just as there are like generic western rpgs right where you're just like in like a fantasy-esque world and you do this or that this is very much the jrpg version right it's generic but it's made by such a competent studio and team that it's like a generic JRPG polished. You know what I mean? Like, is it incredible? Mm. No, but it's like the best you could be playing, I think. And so it makes for like a really strong experience. It's like, I don't know, Scarlet Nexus came out recently, I think, and people were like, it's okay. And it's like, if a game like that, if it was just more polished and better kind of deal. So, um, you know, I think what I'm describing is a good game. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it, it, it has a particular nostalgic feel for me too, just because Tales of Symphony on the GameCube was one of my favorites and like i i absolutely loved that game and i love the action rpg stylings of it and the tales games can be a bit hit or miss but i think they're always sturdy you know like they're they're i i don't really think there are any like bad tales of games there are generic tales of games and then there are like those real standouts and i do think tales of symphonia stands up I actually replayed it just a few years ago and it was very good um vesperia is quite good as well but this one is probably the best that i've played so far um it's just very competent the story is fascinating and interesting um the side quests are handled extremely well like the side quest management in this is excellent like they give you very clearly who can give you the side quest they they parse them out excellently uh the rewards for completing side quests are meaningful and like actually feel like it's a good idea to do so because you get sp towards unlocking what are called arts so like skills that you could use in combat and then passive buffs as well and uh getting enough sp to unlock those can be a little bit difficult um you know obviously if you battle like really strong monsters you can get them but just through general battles you'll get sp but you're not going to get like absurd amounts of it 
Um, so that way, though, if you play side quests, you often get like a really sizable chunk of SP for completing a side quest. And the side quests um, already, I found, they're like actually fairly varied. Like some of them are just like go to this place and get this thing or like go hunt a couple monsters. But like the combat is so much fun that hunting the monsters doesn't feel like a chore. But then you also have one where like a guy wants to dress more fashionably. So like Xi'an, the girl in here is like, I'll help you. And like, you're just like judging his fashion. And like, so I'm like, it's just kind of fun like that. Um, so anyway, highly recommend Tales of Rise. Uh, very good game. But what isn't super good about it, that game, is its box art. Moving on to our main topic is box art uh, for this week. Yeah, well, I mean, it's box art's fine, but it's just the two main characters standing. Although it is kind of cool. But anyway, it's just two people. But yes, if you can't guess, we're talking about uh, box art this week. And this is coming from a question that we got from uh, Frozen Roy about like what our favorite and least favorite box art is, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, but we thought first, we thought we'd just combine this question into just one big old topic this week and talk a little bit about what makes box art good or box art trends or whatnot. And I think Paula has like a freaking presentation she wants to give us on some of this. And I'm glad it's Paula first because I'm still recoiling from whatever that excuse for a segue was. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, like The box art, look it up, it was Tales of box art is, is just fine. You know, it's just, yeah, just it, standing there. This game has bad box art. Speaking of box, box art. art. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's no lead. It's just like... But actually... Thinking of Tales of so this would have been a better segue, but Tales of Arise to me actually displays like one of the kind of tropes of box art that I think we see fairly frequently now, which is just like the main character and or both main characters standing with whatever weapon they happen to have in a kind of heroic pose. And Arise oh is like God, literally yeah. a white background, right? No, no, no. It, it, it's got this like uh, brownish, like black background thing. Like it, it's 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 artful. It's got like Renin, like okay. the moon and the planet. Like it's not. It's again, box art. Even these days, it's not like I could ever say it's like shite. There are, there have been, but like mm -hmm. these days, a lot of the box <laughs> art, it's competent, right? It's kind of like movie posters where you're like, yeah, it works. It's a little generic, but I guess it works. <laughs> and you can definitely invert yeah. that. So like, give two recent examples: Vanquish main character doing thing mm -hmm. with weapon but like that conveys the sense of momentum um it conveys in in some respects sort of the asian take on the western sort of third person action game it it, it gives you a very clear sense of what that game is going to be uh and then conversely a game like control like that main um box art is literally just jesse stood with a gun but like you can see mm. she's doing a, a super powery thing. You can see sort of the, the utilitarian art on the back. It gives you the motifs. Um, and I think it, it builds a sense of intrigue. So you can, like you say, like a movie poster, even if it's like um, by the numbers, you can still do clever stuff with that. Sorry, Paula. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Um, I don't know. Like what makes books are good in general? It's first of all, uh, if it's, good art and one of the things one of the trends of like the the main character looking straight at the viewer i guess mm. kind of like irked me because it's like it doesn't feel natural like one of the things that i was always taught when i was like uh learning to draw is mm. that you don't want the subject like looking to the camera because it's like they are just posing 
And the other thing is that when a picture tells a story, uh, it stands out more than if it's just a pose and something generic in the background. So uh, that's one of the... Th those are two of the main things that I've noticed, like looking up at, at what I listed as my favorite box art. Conversely, if what makes box art rough, if it doesn't give you like any fucking idea of what the game is about, um, if it's kind of like, maybe it's if the art or the pose or whatever is kind of like awkward or kind of weird. And one of the trends that I kind of like hate the most is like just character on background and there's like nothing interesting in the background. But I think the other thing that some sports games that we're doing, correct me if I'm wrong, is they have like just screenshots or something like that, but like series of screenshots of the game like in the books. And I was like, why? Because um, most why would you sports do that? games, at least the EA ones, it's usually just a player. Like who's been con yeah. like they they've done a contract with a really you know important player for that year and they're around the front of the cover. Uh, sports game covers are garbage. <laughs> yeah, but they, they also don't need to be anything more than yes. what they are because if you're buying that game, it's not because you saw something incredible about the box that drew you in. Um, you you bought it because all your friends are playing it. Like yeah. that, that's how sports games be. I also yeah, think... that is true. There's something to be said as well about box art in general because, like, like, what's the fucking point of box art? <laughs> like, like, in this day and age, do you know what I mean? Like, I, it's actually something that I try to think about because as much as I love good box art, I'm also like, does it sell the game? Because I'm not sure it does. Uh, like, it does. But does it actually sell the game these days, right? Like, in a store per se, maybe, but so often it's like spines on a wall. Um, box art's changed though. Box art yeah. is not the art not on the box in the way we think. It's the little mm -hmm. square that you see on the digital storefront. You know, box art has changed. It hasn't gone away. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think it ever truly will because ultimately you are still going to be trying to sort of capture people uh, in a sale page or on like the new releases on that. And that's yeah, actually... And also oh, yeah. I also Go ahead, got Tom. into Tim Tensei <laughs> because of, of how the box art itself intrigued me. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean Sorry, for I was us. Him. Oh, yeah. Like I was going to say, like, I, I do think for like us, for instance, like, yeah, I, I like it and whatnot. But I think it is interesting what you're mentioning where like um, box art has changed very much. And I actually think those little squares, some of them are really good, like on like mm. the eShops yep. and whatnot. I'm like, like that's actually seems to be to me where some of that like real work has been going. Um, but yeah, cause like I thought about it and I'm like in the store and whatnot, like you rarely even look at, like I love a good box art, but I look at it and then I was like, I'll put you a little spine on my shelf. <laughs> you know? I'm just like, bye bye. And like, maybe that's an unrated, uh, underrated aspect of box art though, is also the spine. I'm like, give me a good spine. <laughs> yeah. But we're also the kind of people who are like, oh yeah, the box art's sick, but what's the game like? Whereas there yes. are a lot of people, maybe not so much in the present, but in the past who would like see a good box art and be like, oh, I'll take it home and I'll try it. Yeah. Fair. Mm -hmm. I think like... that's where we have an interesting perspective in the sense that, that we don't really put as much weight into them as other people might. Yeah, yeah or, or some of us like put way too much weight on the books art. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I am a very curious person. So if 
um there's been like a bunch of of times where I'm just like window shopping at some um at Paseo Las Palmas uh, here in Chile. And I see like one game that is like the the, the box art is just good and I'm like I wanna want to try that game. But should I? And like the third time I see the box art, it's like, okay, I'm buying it. Also, I am a very impulsive person. So that's that may be why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> My finger yeah. slipped and I bought the game. <laughs> My finger slipped and I bought the game. Uh, you it know, it has happened more than I would like to admit. <laughs> Oh dear! Oh my God! Um, well, I, w- I was gonna say also though. I think something maybe we can all agree on though is that like when it comes to good box art, I think Japan knocks it out of the box box like far yes. more fucking often than the West does. Like I just like yes. in general. I'm even just looking at like right now like you know there's like a sale on Sega games or whatnot and like Shin Megami Tensei 5's cover art that fucking cool like i just like i look at that thing and i was like that's dope like i don't even really know what's going on Mm -hmm. but like my eye is drawn and yeah it's like a main character but like there's just stuff going on in that picture and like even the persona 5 strikers one that i got like there's so much going on in these photos and yet they have like a clear like that your eye is pulled towards a focal point and like it's just like good art you know and yeah, I was, I was going to say that's the interesting inflection point, which I think is where we're both leading, which is there's incredible art. There's mm-hmm. art that conveys what the game is. And there's mm-hmm. a beautiful sort of narrow sliver where the two form a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. And I think the majority of games that nail that are from the East. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yoshitaka Amano, uh, his art is a staple. And ultimately yes. it does convey sort of the grand adventure that those Final Fantasies are supposed to be. Um, it always tends to blend sort of specific themes or specific characters or unique elements of that game into it. So like if you look at Final Fantasy IV, for example, um, you know, Kane isn't the main character, but it's the character that Amano chose to portray because really it conveys the most of the story. And having played the story and then going back, in the way that that character is drawn, it really does tell a tale. Um, You look at, Vanillaware's games, whether it's Grim Grimoire, whether it's 13 Sentinels Argus Rim, uh, whether it's Dragon's Crown, whether it's Odin's Fear, those are exceptional pieces of art, but they all convey something about the characters within them and the story in a way that um, I know the one that's always lambasted is Bioshock Infinite, because that is literally just Booker with a gun. Doesn't tell you anything about the game, yeah. doesn't tell you anything about the story, doesn't give yeah, but... you anything really except there's a guy and he has a gun. And I think that's that's really the marker of good box art is whether whether you can glean anything from it, you know, even if it's amazing art to start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, that is, I know, I know, I agree with you too there because like, the question is like, can you actually tell what's going on with this? And this to me is maybe a good segue because I really want to talk about for a second the fucking <laughs> SNES because the SNES box art is fucking garbage. Like I know for a lot of us there's going to be this like nostalgia factor, but the especially North America because I don't know how it went over in good old Europe. But the North American one, this black thing with this weird packaging thing on the side and this cropped artwork in the middle and then you look at the Super Famicom and that box art yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. This like vertical 
gorgeous box art like almost every single one of them and like i think a case in point too is like i believe it's dragon quest um even like three or whatnot on like the super famicom version of it uh or no 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 no. i was gonna say did three get a super famicom release i thought it was four five and no, six. no 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 i think i'm talking about uh uh oh yeah no i am talking about dragon quest three um oh it did have, though it's a custom game case or whatever. Anyway, whatever. There's, it's one of those ones. Maybe it was five. Oh Never gosh, darn it! I should have. I, ha- I had this looked up for. It was uh, six. It was six. That's the one I'm talking about. Dragon uh, Quest six. If you look at the Dragon Quest six Super Famicom like box art, it is gorgeous. It is They're sick. on this dragon. Yeah. It's super cool. And then you go to look at the Dragon Quest six for the SNES, and it's just like why? Like it's just, it's just why? Honest to God, like it's like. Um, it is why? such a fucking mess. Like, it is a mess. The character's proportions are, like, it's a mess. There's this weird <laughs> Enix logo. There's this black bar going all over it. And then, in other words, you could have this, like, gorgeous-looking freaking um, box art on the SNES. So it's just beautiful vertical. And, like, oh, man. I don't know. Like, I feel like that like it didn't translate over beautifully you know like sometimes box art is designed for one and then north america's like all right what should we do oh fuck i don't know let's just put the characters standing next to each other you're like is that gonna sell it i don't know man no one buys this shit here so they're just like you know what i mean yeah like speaking of characters standing next to each other i actually uh noticed a couple of trends on the otome box art and that's Oh, yeah. uh, most of the stuff I have on these PowerPoint presentations, so allow me to. <laughs> oh, yeah, Paul has a PowerPoint for us. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me like try to get yeah, slideshow. You can In... see it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing fancy, don't worry. Talk. So the thing with. <laughs> well, to my TED talk about box art, especially on the trends in the Otome box art. So the so research has shown that. <laughs> uh, you laugh about it, but I actually did some research. <laughs> oh, bless you. Okay, so uh, there's like about three trends of uh, Otome box art. And one of them is it's called the box boy, where the developers kind of like decide on what the canon route is, or either like just one of the good looking guys and. They kind of like show him with the protagonist, and in the case of Amnesia Memories, which by the way only got a physical release in Japan, you have like Shing with the protagonist. On Pretty you have like the character who's supposed to be kind of like the childhood friend, and he's kind of like the canon route. And then uh, you get the the Japanese version for Psychedelica of the Asian Hook actually has Lucas and the protagonist, and. It's it's kind of the one of the prettier or less messy box arts I've seen in a while, but still it it kind of like perf- um, uh, and this is a thing that uh, a lot of automate players don't like the fact that companies kind of like market one of the particular routes as like the canon route and it's like no let me have my head canon here like everything <laughs> is canon let me have they a voice. shittest dude to put on the cover as well let's be real yeah. <laughs> Although yeah, I went for it's, him. it depends. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, especially like like on Pericue, like the the guy who they put in their cover is like, why? Anyways, uh, hmm. you can have more than one box boy. So in the case of Yofiore in the Bansho, 
Ricardo, the Japanese release of Pio Fiore, you have two of the more like plot relevant characters that are kind of like the fan favorites on mm. over there in Japan. That are Dante and Gilbert, because uh, one of them is like kind of like the a more plot related background route for the for the protagonist, and the other one is just fan favorite overall. And you have uh, the protagonist like in the background. Then you have Cupid. Cupid Parasite, and you have like kind of a sandwich situation where you have the the protagonist just looking back at the at the viewer, and you have like two of the boys over there that are um, Gil and Alan, and overall like it's a very colorful box art, but it doesn't really tell you shit about the game, and this is like uh, mm. an ongoing theme for a lot of these. Like the most you could have like from. I don't even think you could have like the mafia thing for uh if you didn't like like that beforehand. And then you have Nor9. Uh especially like, the Switch version where you have in this game there's actually three female protagonists and each of them have three routes. So they pretty much took like the canon route for each of them and plastered them in the box art. And now that I look at it, like, it's very subtle, but you have, like, that kind of, like, power thing going on because of one of the um, characters is sprouting a plant from from his hand. But that is, like, so not noticeable that it's, like, why even put it there? And then you have the curb picture that is a more popular trend here on the West. So it's pretty much... Sometimes you have the main character, like in Kathan, Chante, and Olympia, and you have like all the boys in the background. Again, you have no fucking idea what the game is about. No, I gotta say, I kind of like that cafe in Chante one. I'm kind of like, yeah, it is very fucking pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty, but you don't know what's going on. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you asked me what in a nutshell. Yeah, if you asked me what's going on in Olympia Soiree, I'd be like, I don't fucking know, man, an orgy. Like, it's just like, I can't see what's <laughs> happening in there. <laughs> That's one kind of soiree. Hey! Yeah, um, if you're fair, you could have... Oh, my God. If you're fair, you could kind of have, like, more of a mafia vibe, kind of. Yeah, of this, I can see it. This, yeah, you could see that. Um, I really like the books are for this one because of how... I really like the color scheme in general, and mm. all the designs are really, really good. Mm. But if you ask me, the limited edition of this game like has kind of that like, picture going on, mm. but it will tell you like like this box art for the um, um Western version for Cafe Enchante tells you how the what is the vibe of the game for uh, during the common route. But the Japanese version tells you like the overall tone of the game like later on. Uh, so with that said, one of my favorite Otome box arts is actually the one for Kurt Realize. That's a clean box. For, um, for the listeners at home, this is a box boy. Yeah, this is a box boy. You have the main character, Cardia and Lupin, uh, kind of like a glazing uh, on... On, like looking into each other's eyes, they're not looking like to the uh, at the viewer, and that immediately like uh, puts it above like so many other box arts. But mm. also, you have the overall like you kind of get the feeling of uh, or, like the sense of the time in the game because of how they are dressed. For example, they're like uh, like um, Cardia has more of a very elegant dress going on and there's like a lot of pieces of what looks like cooks like in the background that are flying 
like, or falling in a way. And the more important detail, one of the more important details that is like very subtle, but it is there. I already said that Cardia has this kind of like poison acidic thing going on where anything she touches like kind of melts away. So if you look there uh, at Lupin's hand, it's, it's uh, steaming. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh. kind of burning. So again, this picture tells a story. It's like how they got to this point and what is going on? Why is he burning away? If you didn't see like any of the trailers, you, cool. you, you kind of had that question. So overall, like the book, the composition, how everything is framed gives you like a general idea of the tone of the game and mm. how the game looks. Because one of the things I really like about Tomato Box Art is that the art, the the design of the characters and the overall art style is the same as the game. So like on that on that front, you know what to expect. Cool. And uh, I have another one that is for Chu and Lupita. Oh wait, let's go into our hold on because we're gonna go long here. So. Oh my what's god! Your, sorry. <laughs> what's your least favorite? Let's hear that one. <laughs> oh, my least favorite. Do you need a second to think on oh, that? Oh, shoot. I didn't prepare that one. <laughs> That's fair. Because we can hit in here. Why don't we? Because you've given us plenty of good stuff here. Mm. Um, I want to jump in with my favorite actually real quick. Because my favorite is a recent one. And it's actually the great Ace Attorney Chronicles um, box art. Because that box art to me is absolutely stunning. Like the color scheming that is in there. The like you know, you've got your character front and center, but like all the characters are in these dynamic poses and yet like all the eyes and looks like come through and they use like different color shading in order to give like depth and like importance to all the characters within it. It's just like a beautiful piece of artwork that like if I look at, I'd be like, yeah, I won't play that game. I'm down. I don't know what's going on, but I'm in, you know? <laughs> and like all the setup, it's like, ooh, ooh. Um, Rick, what about, what's your right. favorite before we jump into? Bio I'm going to start order? with my least favorite because I want you to both bask in oh. the glory of the PS2 classic that is Motor Siege: Warriors of Prime Time. Uh, and there's a good box art that How Long to Beat used. This is the appalling box art which me and my brother got purely on the strength of the terrible box art. Um, <laughs> for those listening at home, it is like a early 2000s CG like ugly Scarface man in a biker helmet looks very perturbed by the fact that he's wearing that helmet. And then there's a car driving on like a lava, a lava road. And then there's like a ship flying behind it. It's all horribly composed. Um, and it, <laughs> it's capstone <laughs> by the logo of like the company that shot this game out. Play it. It's, he looks like a dried up raisin. Like his face he is actually, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid fucking helmet on me. Grumble, grumble. I love it. I love it. And the game's actually quite fun. Me and my brother played a lot of it. Um, nice. I'm I'm gonna cheat in terms of my favorite. I think my single favorite um, yeah. is probably the world ends with you. I love that art. That's um, cool. Yeah. But I, I want to shout out the DS as a whole because it had so many good box arts: Shin Megami True. Tensei: Strange Journey, Valkyrie Profile, Covenant: The Plume, uh, all the Castlevania games that came out on DS. Uh, Ghost Trick, Infinite Space, Dimension Two, which has got a guy reaching out of his own body to like grab his face with a hand that's coming out of his mouth, which is actually thematic to the story, but also just a great image for a horror game. Um, Aliens Infestation. <laughs> though I'm gonna, so many. I'm going to hit you with one thing, though, that was the stupidest DS box art I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, there was some stupid stuff in the DS. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. But that was Castlevania <laughs> Dawn of Sorrow 
Konami's <laughs> best play. It is the dumbest. <laughs> it is oh a picture of the box art of Castlevania oh, shrunken down on the box That's art. Actually- no. I just noticed that's it's a books <laughs> on the books Why know. would you do that? I know. You heard it here, guys. Japan does it best. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> they, for some reason, they did this. I don't know why they did this, but they did this. And, like, oh. it's so stupid. It was like a Game of the Year edition. And the only one that I think is worse than it, and this is my official, like, worst, is um, Batman Arkham City. Game of the Year edition. It is just like That's pretty gross. It's horrible. It's just the image, and then it's like ten out of ten. Five, one of the best <laughs> games ever. Batman Arkham City, and then it'll say like bonus content, three out of five, five out of five, blah, blah, blah. and like all these logos on the box. It's a nightmare. Like there have been so many good people who clowned on this so hard. Like it's just bad. <laughs> it just looks bad. Like, it is very very bad. Because oh, and it's the worst part is that the actual box art of Arkham City, I think, is like pretty freaking cool. Um, you know, like it's, it's a cool looking thing. Like the, the white shaded Batman, like perching on like a stoop. It's like, that's, that's pretty neat, you know, but then it's like, nah, let's just fucking ruin it entirely by putting in all the text in the world. I also want to throw into the ring the terrible DS box art looks pain purely because the protagonist looks both upset and like he's trying to cross his own eyes. Yes. <laughs> oh god, we'll have to post some of these. We'll we'll pop them in the Halog to uh, be dis like podcast discord when we uh when we get a chance just so you can see some of the crazy shit that we're talking about. We'll pop we're... them in Actually... one of the links you can find down below when you're busy liking this video. Not there disliking because that doesn't matter anymore. Thanks daddy YouTube. Um yeah. but you'll never get to see us. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, like the, the my least favorite box art in general are just like the box arts for the mainline Pokemon games. They're just like the yeah. usually like the legendary blaster in the books. Is why, and especially I think the one I like the least is for Pokemon Black Two and White Two, because mm-hmm. I always <laughs> thought like the the legendaries for those games look stupid. Because mm-hmm. it's a it's one. a fusion yeah. uh, between oh my god I forgot the name of that one legendary but it's a legendary that kind of like um, fused with um kind of like Diana spices from Sekiro and Reshiram and the result Pokemon is stupid it's like no why would you ever do that I feel like they've gotten worse too because like I I I don't think the idea in general and I think the Japanese Pokemon box art looks pretty cool like the original Pocket Monsters ones too like was pretty cool and like oh yeah the dynamic poses that they had for like blue and yellow and like all of them um were like pretty neat you know but yeah like the especially Sword and Shield what boring looking yeah. covers man like that is so fucking boring but like gold and silver were cool right they had that like inverted gold silver like spiral thing going on on it and like even I thought the crystal one was super cool with Suicune like and the way that they created that like dynamic and like it's like shiny so yeah like you know and like remember because they were glossy right they like shined you could like right um at least they were I don't know. Were they shiny for you? I don't know. Were they any different in Europe, Rick? I don't even know. I know sometimes you're asking are, but... the wrong guy. I yeah, right. You don't get Pokemon <laughs> game this year or last year. Uh... Uh, in Sorry, general, they've been getting worse and worse, and I don't know the that one and pearl, that shining diamond, and 
And brilliant, Something brilliant pearl. diamond and shining pearl. Thank you. I got the game and I don't even know the name <laughs> of the game. But those in particular, I feel it's like okay, they have the pulls, but it's it's just the model. Yeah, I think it and started it's with It's not platinum. like the best pose. Yeah, because the platinum was stupid looking. It's just like, you've got that guy, and then there's like black and red shooting at the screen. You're like, what the fuck? And then like, I thought mm. Heart Gold and Soul Silver were pretty cool. Like, they have this d- d- dynamic poses. And then it's just like, after that, like, black and white are really fucking dumb. It's like, I know it's called black and white, but like, did it really have to be literally just black and white on the cover? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, Pally, you're that four panel Star Wars meme. Like, the first panel is just you as Anakin complaining about all these different things about the Pokemon franchise. And then Padme's just like, so you're not going to buy the next one, are you? <laughs> so you're not going to buy the next one, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm like in a nerd. I thought X and Y were pretty cool though. But anyway, I'm I'm actually yeah. in that point of like being close to it because like I've been looking at Shining Pearl and Brilliant Diamond, and I'm like, I want to play a stupid Pokemon game, but I'm also like, no, you don't, Alex, don't get it. And so I'm trying to make sure I don't. I'm never going to buy these games full price. Even bundling the um the what was it platinum? Like all the they didn't even yeah. bundle in the fixes from that. Like, what's going on there? I know, it's weird. Because, like, know. some of the... Again, because then they would have had to only sell one copy and not make, you know, $140 for the two copies. Well, no, I mean, you but... incorporate that work into both of them if you still want to <laughs> sell fair. Yeah. But that's the issue, is that, like, they did put some of the fixes from Platinum in, but then you could tell, really, what they didn't want to do was put all of them in to make it one experience, right? They want to make it the two experiences, which is really, honestly, just the worst. Um, they're gonna sell perfect platinum next year that's what they're gonna do <laughs> oh my god it kill me oh my anyway god. that was our discussion of box art there's so many <laughs> other things we could talk about like the crazy box arts of handhelds like game boy advance the transition from japan to north america i mean there's we could go you could go forever on these things why in north america I the game logos at the bottom <laughs> not the top i mean there's tons of stuff you have more paula <laughs> yeah, i think i have more <laughs> Okay, save it uh, for a new game plus. <laughs> okay. your first one. Oh my god, she got like five or six other. Yeah, save it for a new game plus. That's what we're going to do. I'm oh not watching god. the stream. I'm saving myself. Tell us your yeah. most and least favorite box arts in the comments down below or email us them to hltvpodcast.gmail.com or come join us in the Discord or the forums and tell us that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, we're almost at two hours. So, Paolo, why don't you tell us what do we play in this week? <laughs> How long to beat the game? Oh. Wait, no, this is actually like... Oh, yeah, this is a standalone game. Uh, Assassin's Creed, Freedom Cry. Oh, Freedom, Freedom Cry? Cry. I know that one. Yeah, that's huh? a that's a Black Flag DLC um, where you play as one of the teammates. It's really good, actually. Um, uh, should I re-roll it because it is DLC? No, 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 no it's a standalone Neither. DLC. Okay, so like okay, it started okay. as DLC, but you can you could play it on your own. Um, it's very good, it's very good. I think they actually eventually released it as its own game. Uh-oh. <laughs> I am not getting this one. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. I'm going eight hours main, ten hours main plus. This is the gamble. Twelve hours, a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go somewhere close-ish. Um, I know I'm I'm not confident on doing 100. Um, percent I'll be real. It's that's where I've gone wrong. That's where I've gambled. Yeah, 
Mm. Okay, I'm gonna go five hours Spain, six hours Spain plus, and six hours 100%. Mm. Six hours 100%, huh? Hmm. You said it started as a DLC and then it became its own thing. Well, it, no, it's a DLC that they also have released, I think, kind of as a standalone. It's weird. Um, I'm going back to my original plan. I'm going to 555 it. Yeah, I'm going to uh, say... Yeah, I'm not working for it. so bloated, but I feel like this one might not be. Ugh. Yeah, I know. They're pretty... <laughs> often bloated, but... See, okay, what I'm a little stuck on. Okay, okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say five hours. I'm gonna say six hours, and I'm gonna go seven hours. Copying me. Oh shit, did you do that? Okay, well I'm gonna change it a little bit. I'm gonna say Always copying other I'm gonna say six hours. hours. Oh my god. Here, I'm gonna go six, seven, eight. Six, seven, eight. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm happy with that. Six, seven, eight. Tell us what we got. Well, there, if you have PS1 game in spirit, it's like 15 hours, man. Oh my okay, God, main story, four and a half hours. Okay. Main was extras, six hours. Completionist, okay. seven and a half hours. Nice. <sighs> yeah, nice. I would have fucked it. I actually would have fucked it. Okay. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. So, it's like a pretty solid game. Like, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um because Black Flag for me is still, I think, my favorite um, of all of the uh, of the Assassin's Creeds. I loved that one so much. It's just so good. Uh, anyway, 128 for Rick and I, and 113 for Paola. Still 10 Speaking for the guests. so good, we're naming it week after week after week. Yeah, like I think that. we're getting into like mm-hmm. a rhythm with this now. You know, we've just got lucky, and we have 10 slash 100 for the guests. <laughs> I'm just giving them a lot. <laughs> we'll bump them up. Uh, that's it for this week. We've got some fun stuff coming up over the next few weeks here. Some fantasy critic stuff's coming up. A guest, perhaps. Who knows? So uh, stay tuned as we enter into this holiday season and end out 2021. Thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, see you next week. Toodles. Take it easy. Bye.